Welcome back, everyone, to For the Brown Girls podcast. We're so excited to be here and talk about some of the fun stuff that we always talk about. But before we do that, let's set the scene. We're currently sitting um, in the rain and we're holding (laughs) cups of coffee. Uh, We're in Eamon's car and honestly, it's the only time that we have to even talk about things because otherwise we're just running around all over the place. Right. We just came back from yoga and we we were like, you know what? We have to get this and we we have to do it between all the rest of the stuff we have to do. But it's really cute because it's raining outside and I think it's about to snow and we're just warm and cuddly in the car. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's not just us. We actually have a special guest later on today our very own dr ramiz Rahman, who is going to be contributing his own knowledge about picos so please 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 stay tuned and continue listening because he has some valuable information for us as well yeah i'm so excited for that yeah so uh let's get into it shall we i put up a little poll a few days ago um honestly just asking you guys what you want to hear because we feel like we there's so much out there and we kind of want to talk about the serious things that also affect brown girls not just you know like the surface level so the one thing that i think we both are currently experiencing right now and i'm sure a lot of girls are who are single and unmarried is all of these pressures that we experience kind of before getting married or like finding our person and then also the pressures that our married girls feel and experience after getting married right um i feel like any brown girl can relate that anything that you do before you're married is like related to you getting married so like no 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 wait to travel until you're married no 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 wait to do this until you're married and then on the other hand it's when are you getting married are you looking for anybody like it's extreme pressure on those ends but then once you are actually married, it doesn't really like calm down. So we want to take it step by step. Let's let's start before marriage, which I think we've kind of like touched on before as well. Yeah. So it's so, you know, let's set the scene once again. You're like, you know, 12, 13, however old you are. You just got your first period. You start menstruating and your body starts changing. I start developing, you grow curves in places that they weren't before, you start receiving all of this male attention that you hadn't before, and all of a sudden the stakes are different now. You're no longer seen as just a person, but a lot of society now sees you as this like vessel um of like life now which is beautiful in a way i think it's so beautiful that you know women are that like a lot of feminine pure feminine energy is held within us but then also the negative aspect is that people just see us as like these baby making machines and especially in indian desi culture they want to marry you off as soon as possible so you can continue doing that and that is also okay in some cultures if that's what you want but for those women or those girls who are not okay with that there's a lot of pressure that we experience in the whole process right um and i i love how you said like as soon as you it, you come to that age you start hearing it like i feel like everybody keep starts hearing like what are people gonna say like you're not gonna be able to get married if you don't do x y and z don't dress like that like what like people are gonna remember this and like it's gonna be even harder so all of that starts all of that pressure starts when you're a young girl like i remember i when i was growing up in new york like in the whole like in the neighborhood there was like a group of kids and we all hung out together and like majority of them were boys but i would have so much fun because we would play like Yu-Gi-Oh, we would play tag we ride our bikes like we would do so much together and then one day my dad was like you can't hang out with them anymore and i was like what why like those are my friends and he was like no you're not allowed to talk to boys anymore 
That so, is so funny. Yeah. So that day was over. Everything, anything related to boys was done. Like, you can't talk to them. You can't be friends. You can't even, like, do anything. And that was right when I was 12. Oh, my God. I feel like I had a similar <laughs> experience. And I think that's why we relate so much because our dads were, like, kind of the same. Um, you know how when, when you were in elementary school and you... On, like every holiday you would give treats to everyone so for example like valentine's day every single person gets a valentine's day card like from each person like those little lollipops in the card mm-hmm. my dad would sit next to us and be like only girls like only girls oh are gosh. receiving this and that like held true to everything and it was like you know embarrassing because that's not how like american people yeah. do this like <laughs> so if we had a birthday party it was like you're only allowed to invite girls if oh there gosh. were birthday parties going on, you're only allowed to go to a girl's birthday party. So it was, mm-hmm. like, very, like, from that age. Yeah. Yeah. Super Same. Like, if if our family friends had, like, sons, we, no one was allowed to sleep yeah. over. Like, sleepovers were not allowed, period. But, like, if... If anyone was coming over, there was a guy there or anything, they were just like, nope, nothing, no. none of that. So, like, that stigma carried on honestly for a really long time until probably like college and then I was like okay I think it's time for me to like be friends with guys now <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I need to stop doing this and also what is this double standard that our parents have and I've seen this in so many memes mm-hmm. where they would be like you're not allowed to talk to boys you're not allowed to like do anything with boys and but then all of a sudden when you hit like 23 or 24 they're like okay when, when are you are getting, you getting ma- married yeah. yeah like I found this boy for you um, go talk to him. How am I supposed to talk to him when I never even, like, had practice? It's like, I don't even know what to say at this yeah. point. Yeah. Like, now I need that, like, period of time where I'm, like, getting myself comfortable Yeah. Again. And then how are we supposed to do any of that? Like, I personally learned how to sneak around. Yeah. I would, like, I, I honestly think all brown girls should apply for the CIA or something because we are <laughs> experts at, like, sneaking around, like, keeping secrets, lying, yes. maintaining control under pressure. And it's all because of our parents. Like, yeah. they trained us to be this way. Especially, like, improv lies. Mm-hmm. Like, I can make up a lie on the spot, and it's so believable. And it's going to be so, so believable. It's going gonna, it's gonna to match everything. Yeah. Like, I'm going to have the exact perfect lie of where I went, who was there. They're going to, everyone who was there is going to know too, yes. and they're going to be in on it. That's the thing. If they tried to call our friends and you're like, were you with blah, blah, yeah, why? Yeah. Like, yeah. everybody is in on it. Exactly. So, I mean, what we're trying to say with all that is that, like, our parents and growing up, this culture, the society, especially when you're like a first generation American, you just experience so much more than you would have if you were like second gen or you know if you weren't desi and growing up with that and like honestly learning how to just be a desi girl Mm -hmm. in this culture was really hard yeah because you're being thrown all of these like hurdles on how to look how to dress how to be like what your weight should be and it continues on even after marriage and it's like kind of the norm so it's like you're being pulled in one direction where like these are all the cultural things that like our parents brought with them from their countries but then you're also like trying to acclimate to like american culture so like you're being pulled in so many directions you're like i don't know which it's such a confusing time Mm -hmm. i feel exactly like what you said then it comes with the whole like you're going through this confusing time and then all of a sudden out of nowhere it's when are you getting married? When are you getting married? <laughs> so, all right, you finally find your person, okay, in this 
magical way Mm -hmm. so whether it's like through arranged marriage or whether you like meet them somewhere someplace you have to like navigate and figure out a way for your parents to be accepting of it okay and I think Eamon has this really funny way of explaining it can you explain it how like when you're finding someone it's not just your qualifications that they have to fulfill yeah so I have like a whole bulletproof a bulletproof (laughs) like a bullet point list of things that I want and then my parents have a bullet point list of what they want and like bringing them together it's like the most impossible thing like that nothing like overlaps each other so it's like honestly impossible trying to you know satisfy me but also satisfy them yeah and like that's another thing I wanted to get into like even if you bring home somebody that has all the bullet points then it goes into are they the the same culture are they the same like from the same area as we were back home Mm -hmm. are they the same religion are they the same like do they speak the same language do they believe like in the same things yeah so it's like so many things that tie into it that makes it so much harder than it was back home and like how how easy it was for people to meet each other yeah it was so easy and I think I saw a TikTok on this and it was something unrelated so basically we're just like it's it's crazy how many attractive people we see on TikTok every day because Mm. because like especially for men like they see so many attractive girls and vice versa but back in the day like our parents they only knew one baddie (laughs) and that was their mom that was our mom (laughs) and like she was in the same village and if you wanted to see another baddie you have to go to the other village Mm -hmm. but like that's all you knew and that's all you were happy with yeah And now it's, like, there's such a surplus of people and dating. And I also think that's why why the dating culture is so messed up now. Because people have so many options. So many options between, like, what you said, social media and then dating apps. I think social media makes it even freaking harder. (laughs) Because, like, first of all, now you're, like, getting engulfed into this new culture of things. And now you're, like, okay, I have, like, my beliefs and stuff. But, like... (laughs) <laughs> I like this type of person and like my parents you know like our parents would be like out no freaking way are you ever marrying outside of your culture or outside of your religion anything like that but now it's such a norm because yeah. like we're exposed to all of this like exactly yeah it, it's a lot a lot of exposure is bringing that which is really good yeah like I think it's important to do all of that and not stay so tied down to your culture like if that works for you it works but also it makes things harder for people who are not looking for that mm-hmm and like, like you said, like, it makes it harder for first gen. Like, mm-hmm. people are, who are in our position as opposed to people who are, like, after us, where now it will become the norm. We're trying to figure it out for all of you. Like, <laughs> it's hard. We're putting in work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So that's all before marriage, okay? So, all right, you find your person in this, like, magical way. You rub a genie lamp or something, okay? Your wishes are granted. So you have your person. You get married, okay? That's, like, a separate conversation on its own, the whole marriage process. Oh, shit. I... I don't even think I have enough, like, talking power to talk about that because, like, I would just go to sleep. (laughs) Yeah. For anybody that I know who has gone through, like, the wedding planning process and, like, marriage and all that, they were like, that is the most stressful part because now both families are, like, so involved. Mm -hmm. Which, again, I think is so outside of, like, American culture norm. Yeah. It's just the couple doing it. Yeah. But you're right. That's for a different day. We're going to have a separate podcast about that because I have so many thoughts on that Mm -hmm. and I love talking about my thoughts. So... (laughs) You guys will get that for sure. But all right, you have your big fat Indian wedding. Okay, if you're into that. And then now you're married. So let's see. Let's see what any normal Indian family would say to a young new bride when she gets married. 
What would they say, Anne? I'm going to translate it to English, but tell me some good news. That's how they say it. I, I forgot exactly how to say it in Urdu, and I don't want to, like, botch it up. But people will literally come up to you and say, Mm-hmm. Which literally translates to tell me some good news. Like, not knowing context outside of that. Yeah. Not, and it's such an awkward... Not, yeah, like, not good news like, oh, did you get a promotion? Or no, 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 are you going one, on... There's only one good news that yeah, they want to hear. Yeah, yeah. And it's so uncomfortable hearing that from... Well, so for anybody who's confused, the good news is tell me you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. So... It's so freaking awkward and it's so funny because I was talking about this to my cousin the other day and we were talking about how like, um, how like showing any form of PDA, like the most subtle form, like even holding a hand in front of like your relatives, in front of like elders and stuff is so out of the norm and it's so looked down upon. Like you can't do that. You can't go in for a hug with your, with your like significant other, mind you. So going from that to people asking you, are you pregnant? It's like, are you guys doing it or not? Yeah. Like, do you know what, what the prerequisites are for getting pregnant? Like, it's so awkward. I've gotten, like, people have been asked that in front of me and I've had so much, like, shut up and I'm like, oh my God, I need to go to a different room. Like, it's so uncomfortable. It's the worst. Mm -hmm. And how do they have the audacity to do that? And like... If you've been raised under this, like, these the circumstance, circumstances of don't talk to boys, blah, blah, blah. So, you don't, you already don't know how to, like, socialize. You're probably not, like, comfortable with your body mm-hmm. and, like, how to, you know, like, be a sexual woman. Like, you haven't experienced that yet. You know which, what's funny? We don't talk about that either. We don't. We like, need to talk about that. Yeah. How, like, Indian women are so, like, we're, we've, we're taught to kind of, like, repress all of this, like, sexual energy that we have. But, you know, the only place where it's okay to be displayed in Bollywood. Mm-hmm. Apparently, like, it's okay for all of these girls to, like, dance and stuff. And that's also okay. Like, it's normal. That's do whatever you want. But then if we're seen doing that, it's like, how dare you? Mm-hmm. You're being shameful. You're being disgraceful. There's, like, such a double standard there. I think it goes deeper into, like, how women are perceived in our culture that mm-hmm. we can also discuss. But right now, we're just talking about in terms of marriage mm-hmm. and in terms of, like, how so much like unrealistic standards are placed on like our women Mm -hmm. it's it's just crazy that whole like that whole notion that it's okay for and it's not even your parents it's not even just your parents asking like hey it's random people like when if there's any like people who are outside of desi culture listening to this right now people (laughs) like who you see on the street who have maybe met your parents once will feel comfortable enough to say hey when are you gonna have a baby like like, when are you part- making it part of your plans? Like, you know, we're all waiting. Like, how uncomfortable. Yeah. So, okay, I guess I'm not a person. I'm just a baby-making yeah. machine for you. Like, that's how they see you. Exactly. And then they don't consider that, like, that might not be in, like, the cards <clears throat> for you. Like, maybe it's, like, hard for you to conceive. Maybe it's, like, you're waiting for something. Maybe, like, you it's impossible for you to even do that. And that's something that, like, I feel like is... Desi culture is not sensitive to it's not absolutely not and it's not even like the older generation it's also like what the older generation teaches like young girls Mm -hmm. like for example my cousin I'm gonna put her on the spot right now (laughs) so if she's listening hey girl um so anyways my cousin she was like oh like how old is Breathy now like that's my nickname and you know she's like 30 you know it gets like harder to have kids like as you age I think she's like 23 or something 
And she was telling my mom and my sister I wasn't there, which is, like, also messed up. Because, like, why are you talking about my reproductive system when I'm not there? So she was, like, it gets harder. Like, she should really, like, start looking into that or something. And I just felt like, first of all, you have no manners. Mm -hmm. Because what if I actually had, like, a problem? What if I, like, didn't want to have kids? Mm -hmm. Like, you have to think about all these things. You need to be respectful. And I think when I spoke to her mom about it, because I told her, I was like, "You, you should teach your daughter how to talk about things. Like, this is not normal and then her mom said this is like what how we talk like this is just we talk about these things normally and it was like this is just not it's it's very rude and we need to change the dynamic because just because it's the norm to talk about these Mm -hmm. things doesn't mean that yeah it's not respectful especially like i'm not saying that it's like more here than it is there because i don't know like the statistics but like here like in america we have so much outside stress that might make it even harder for us to like either one start trying or two like even have the possibility of having a baby yeah. so it's like what you're saying like it's it's not sensitive to bring that up and to talk about it like to other people like i feel like for us like the before marriage thing plays in like when are you finding someone because you need to have babies soon like do yeah. you want to have babies when you're 40 like it all ties back to that and it's like super insensitive yeah that's the, exactly that's the word yeah. it's very insensitive and you have to keep in mind that not everyone's experience is the same as yours yeah 100 percent. especially here yeah everyone is like experiencing different things mm-hmm. like we're, we're all going through different things at work with family with like just life in general yeah we haven't even dibble dabbled into like finances part of it what if you're not financially ready mm-hmm. to have a baby you want me to just plop one on you yeah like i think i was we were we were talking to one of our friends who is an accountant and hey Devin, <laughs> <laughs> and he was like you guys if you wanted to have a baby right now you would you need to have this much in your bank and we were just like oh shit we looked at <laughs> we each don't. other and we're like okay like i i'm not even prepared to fully financially cover myself right yeah. now like yeah like uh, babies is hard work <laughs> yeah. so much goes into it so like but it's how do we even tell like our parents and our older generations that yeah. without coming across as like being rude or right. you know like not having manners like i feel like they also need to be understanding of that fact yeah and a- another thing that you reminded me of that's like that was a norm back there and <clears throat> a reason why it was like a little bit i'm not gonna say easier because i feel like that's also insensitive but like why it was like a norm to have a baby right away was because both parents were there for you to like take care of the baby now here like a lot of the time like more chances than there the woman and the man are working now mm-hmm. like so who's yeah. gonna take care of your baby yeah. like your parents might not live near you like True. that is like a huge thing to factor in as well yeah. that people don't consider i get that yeah it's it's really hard like so many social dynamics come into play and it's not just as easy as like oh do you have any good news for us or that that's the next step yeah like Like, i got a new job if that's what you want to (laughs) hear i like lost like this much weight you know like i'm on a healthy eating journey like do you want to hear that but no it's always like where's the baby (laughs) yeah and it's just i feel like it goes into so much more because so many of these marriages like I don't know if you guys have heard, but, like, the divorce rates are crazy. Oh, I feel God, like people yeah. also feel pressure to have babies just to keep the marriage together. Yeah, let's talk about that. Like, people feel pressured, one, to get married right away, even if it's not, like, they're 100% sure because of this pressure. And then what you just said, people feel pressure to stay in the marriage. Even exactly. if there's not a baby. Yeah. Like, it, it's, like, so many things that play into it that's, like, 
might have been the norm before but now it's you really have to think about things before you do them yeah and like also before you say them so if you have relatives who feel so comfortable talking about these things like openly to you commenting on your weight about like your um i don't know your pregnancy status I think it's normal to be like, honestly, I'm not comfortable talking about that. So if you can just respect my wishes, I would yeah. love that. Yeah. Like, draw those boundaries. Teach teach them that it's not okay to do that. It's huge. And it's especially huge, I feel, because, like, if you're somebody who th- who's in a position to be like, yeah, don't talk about that. That's not okay. You're, like, saving so many of the other girls that they're going to do that to because now they'll think twice about mm-hmm. it. Like... I have never in my life thought to go up to somebody and be like, when are you having the baby? Like, that is just... Yeah. And and I think, like, changing other people's, um, like, mindset about that. And yeah. Like, maybe they'll be like, okay, maybe that's not considerate to ask somebody. Maybe I shouldn't be asking my cousin's best friend's son's wife, like, <laughs> when, they're, when they're having a baby. Yeah. Like, that is so uncomfortable. Yeah, and I think that's so important because it also ties into, like, just how to be a nice person. Mm-hmm. Like have common decency not to overstep and be rude like it's all it's honestly all about just like having manners Mm -hmm. and being respectful and understanding people's circumstances and how they're not the same as yours and I think with that we want to just take it in a different direction but kind of the same where like people who are in our families or like relatives feel so comfortable commenting on other people's like weight their looks or like what they're doing and it ties into like this whole culture and stigma of just like shit talking other people right and also um something else like so that we could transition into what you're saying like i've heard this thing if you can't change something within like 15 seconds or like you know like whatever like a minute don't comment on it Mm -hmm. and that ties back to what you're saying about like don't comment on people's body hair don't yeah. comment on people's weight don't mm-hmm. comment on like things that could be a serious condition and mm-hmm. that's like what we want to talk about as our next topic like that is something that's commented a lot in like this community about like hair and weight <clears throat> and um all of those acne like, yeah like all, all these things. external features where like you could be doing the most every day like you could be waking up in the morning working out eating healthy and you still wouldn't be good enough for your family yeah like they still would find something to nitpick on yeah and like to this day i think my mom literally yesterday she was like when you put lotion on your face you should like rub more into your smile lines because your wrinkles are gonna start showing then no one's gonna want to marry you i swear (laughs) to god this woman said that and internally i was fucking hurt i was like i cannot believe she just said that like like does she not see that first of all i have a very extensive skincare routine so already i'm aware of it (laughs) you know when you say something like that like um and then you're like like if you get offended by it i don't know if it's just in my family or if it's just in like people i've dealt with people get offended that you're being so sensitive towards things like yeah girls these things are so sensitive and it's like no that was hurtful you're being mean yeah you're being mean i would never say that to you Mm -hmm. like i would never make fun of something that's on you and she didn't even like what was her what was so hurtful wasn't even the fucking smile lines like i get that she said no one's gonna marry you that's what made it worse because i was like fuck like am i an old lady (laughs) 
<laughs> like in my head, I was like, no, please don't do this to me. I think I think we need to point that out too. Like for anybody who's listening, who's unmarried, who's stressed the fuck out because they're not married. Me and Brady were thirty, so we're on the same boat. So don't feel stressed. Like we we're in this together. You got yeah. us. Like please, I experience the same little comments every single day of my life it's like you guys are not alone yeah we actually have someone on the podcast now that provides some credibility and actually not credibility but like some insight into what we were talking about before yeah so we're so excited to have dr ramiz Rahman here to give us more information on picos and how you guys can notice signs in your body and also how to destigmatize how we handle um, picos in our community so doctor take it away <laughs> all right thank you guys so much i really appreciate you guys having me on uh, so a little bit about myself uh, so i'm a board certified internal medicine physician and what that means is i basically deal with adult medicine so that deals with the whole gamut of different types of issues that can happen in adults after that i transitioned into a career of interventional radiology and that's basically minimally invasive surgery using imaging how that relates to pcos which is what we're going to be talking about today is that oftentimes a radiologist will be one of the first people to actually pick up pcos so oftentimes i'm speaking to doctors and i'm I'm there on the front line diagnosing a condition of PCOS, which is fairly common in the population, almost like five to 15% of women in the reproductive age actually have PCOS. So given that and how common it is, it's something really worth talking about and I'm happy to discuss it with you today. That is insane that you said it's five out of 15, you said, right? Five to 15%. Five to 15%, damn. And that's diagnosed. Yeah. So that means so many women out there are living their lives with undiagnosed PCOS, right? Absolutely. PCOS is also um, one of the most underdiagnosed conditions. Oftentimes, physicians uh, are notoriously known to miss this diagnosis because it's so tricky and so complex. Um, So, yeah, it's it's definitely something big, and I'm really happy that you guys are bringing insight into it. Yeah, I think the reason why we wanted to talk about this, especially for brown girls, is because they read this article on the juggernaut, and they talk about these things. And they, I think they put out that PICOS is prevalent in like one in five Desi women. Mm-hmm. And those, I don't know how accurate those numbers are, but then I started reading, I started doing my own research, and I noticed that so many brown women have PCOS mm-hmm. and PCOS, I'm sorry. And yeah, that's no, fine. Both are appropriate. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, so many brown women have it, and it, it's not talked about. And then when we put our little poll on Instagram, so many people wanted us to talk, like, hear us talk about it. Yeah. And that makes me think about, um, do you notice like what demographic mostly has it when you diagnose it? Uh, That's interesting. I mean, uh, I wasn't fully aware how prevalent it was in the Desi community or Brown community, uh, but like I see it all throughout, mm. all throughout. Um, so it's really, it's hard for me to pinpoint exactly one uh, demographic that's more prevalent than the other. But this is good. I like brown women, so I'm qualified to speak <laughs> on this. So can you please give us some knowledge on what can possibly trigger PCOS since it is so undiagnosed and it goes unnoticed until you have a serious condition, you know, like you were mentioning earlier. Mm-hmm. What are some symptoms or what are some effects that we can watch in our bodies to bring awareness to that? So like on our next doctor's visit, we will know what to tell our doctor to look out for. Gotcha. Yeah. So one of the scariest things about PCOS in general is uh, the fact that the, the, ver- the, the presentation can be so varied. And because of that, many people, if you have a very mild PCOS, you may not even know that you have it. Mm. So the presentation is so different. And the cause, you, you asked about the cause, 
unfortunately no one knows what the cause is wow. it's, it's a multifactorial thing it's presumed genetics versus okay. environment versus just the type of nutrition that we have everything sort of plays a factor in how you get diagnosed with pcos mm -hmm. and how you actually acquire pcos so because of that it's very tricky it's it's very difficult to pinpoint exactly what causes it and because of that oftentimes it's overlooked by the population um, in terms of what you can look out for so pcos Essentially, I'll talk about, um, I'll start with kind of understanding what PCOS really is, mm -hmm. if that's okay. So PCOS, yeah. we basically have a system of hormones. Everyone's heard the term hormones, and it's kind of this vague term. No one really knows what anyone's talking about. But think about that in your bloodstream, you basically have these chemical signals that are being sent out. And that's how your organs that are in different parts of your body actually communicate with each other. So that's through the that's through your endocrine system, which is your, your system of hormones. And basically, when you have PCOS, your hormones become uh, misaligned. There's, a, there's an imbalance in your hormones. So your brain is trying to talk to your ovaries in this case. And your ovaries then release hormones, which then come back and relay to your brain to tell your brain to stop. But what happens in PCOS is there's some dysregulation in between. It gets really complicated, but essentially what to know is that um, when you have PCOS, you have basically an imbalance in, in, the, in the signals between your brain and your ovaries. And that leads to various different hormones to become uh, excess in your bloodstream and other ones to become less. And because of that, you have a manifestation of all these different effects. Wow. And, that's, and that's how you kind of, uh, that's, that's kind of the basics of yeah. what happens with, uh, with PCOS. Wow. Okay. And that's something that girls struggle with as soon as you start hitting puberty. Hormones, Our right? hormones yeah. just go out of whack. Exactly. We, exactly. It's, I feel like it's like a lottery system. Either mm -hmm. we end up with PCOS or we don't. Not <laughs> yeah. to make a dumb joke out of it, but that's that's how it feels sometimes. Yeah. And that also sounds scary because it's like already, like if you don't have PCOS, I feel like that's an issue for us. And we're like, oh my God, it's my hormones today. Or oh, like my hormones are causing this. But I'm just imagining people with PCOS and like the, you said it's an influx of hormones. Correct. Correct. That is scary. Yeah, yeah. So then because of that, now you have... Uh, dysregulation of your hormones and then now that starts to manifest in various different ways so basically one of the first things that you're gonna pick up on or one of the first things you may notice is that you're gonna have irregularity in your menstrual cycle mm. and it's tough because when you are going through puberty and your menstrual cycle begins it, it's already irregular to begin with so it takes some time for you to establish what's normal for you mm -hmm. everybody's different so one of the first symptoms you're gonna have is that your menstrual cycles will become uh, very heavy and then you may not have them for a couple of months and then wow. after that, you may, you, they may never come back. They may come back sporadically. And maybe when they do come back, they may be heavier than usual. And that's usually the first telltale sign that there's something going on. And one of the first earliest signs that, uh, of PCOS in general. Uh, secondly, because you have different levels of hormones that are in excess that are considered somewhat abnormal, everyone's body is, we work on balance. All our bodies need balance. And when you have irregulation in that balance, you're going to have hormones that are basically in excess, which are going to lead to things that are considered abnormal. So you're going to have increased body hair mm -hmm. and you're going to have them in different locations that are, may not be considered completely normal, like uh, beneath like the navel or in the upper lip mm -hmm. or on the chin. So this is more, this is because you have increased androgens. Androgens are these hormones that are more frequently or more increased in men. And when you have mm -hmm. increased androgens, you're going to start to have this type of uh, hair growth. Yeah. And this is going to be other symptoms of PCOS. Uh, with these androgens comes other negative effects like acne. You may have increased acne. And now, again, you can already see, you know, given that the different types of women that there are, different types of demographics and the age group, 
if you have acne and you have facial hair, you may feel like you may have a little bit more facial hair in your upper lip than another woman. It could be completely normal or it could be PCOS. And because of that, because of that, it, it I feel tricky. like when you're Indian, yeah. any type of hair on your upper lip is just that fact that you're dizzy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it made me start thinking. I'm like, wait, when you're saying that, I'm like, check mark, check mark. Like, how many check marks do you need to be diagnosed with PCOS? I then? think maybe that's why it's so underdiagnosed or noticed in dizzy women yes, because yes, yes. Like genetically, we're so we're hairy people. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. To be honest, so it, I guess that's what makes it. I mean, that's only one factor. There's mm-hmm. so much more, but you know, when you take into consideration like our diets, mm-hmm. we do eat a lot of oily food. Mm-hmm. We may think, oh, it's just because of like our acne is because of that, right? Or oh, we're overweight, or we've gained a lot of weight because of our diet. But then it can actually be a, an internal thing mm-hmm. that we're not noticing. Exactly, and that's that's a tricky thing. That's why most doctors are are, are actually miss this diagnosis. And me speaking for other doctors, like this is a very common. It's well known that doctors often miss diagnosing this condition, mm-hmm. and it's because again, these are pretty vague. Besides the menstrual irregularity, it's pretty vague symptoms so far, so far. So everything we talked about, pretty vague and hard to kind of pinpoint to blame on PCOS. So yeah. you did bring up like, you know, what, what would be the criteria? So actually in terms of getting uh, diagnosed with PCOS, there's three particular criteria. And if you have two out of the three, you're considered to be diagnosed for PCOS. One of them- I'm going to is- buckle up for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take a deep breath before you, before no, no, you mentioned these. It's going to be okay. All right, buckle, buckle up for this one. So basically, if one of the first ones is you're going to have these signs of androgen excess, which means that you are going to have, uh, you're going to notice the increased acne, you're going to have the uh, hair growth in abnormal locations, and that's going to be one of the signs of that. Also, you can also just get that checked in the blood. So if you start to have these type of symptoms, it's very easy to, instead of being like, you know, is this normal based on your ethnicity, is this, is this or is this really abnormal, you can get blood work done to kind of prove that you mm-hmm. have that. Secondly, is going to be if you actually get an ultrasound. And if you get an ultrasound, your ovaries in the setting of PCOS actually have a little bit of an abnormal appearance. Their ovaries are actually heavier. So they actually weigh more. Your ovaries are a little bit larger. And that's because you have a lot of cysts um, Mm. that are usually around the periphery of the ovaries. So now this is going to open up another discussion, but ovarian cysts are normal. You can Mm -hmm. have them and they can be quite large. The only time you really want to do anything about them is if they're large enough that they cause you any type of discomfort. Then then we can put a needle in them or something and drain them. But but, um, usually, you know, having some cysts is normal. But in PCOS, you have multiple small cysts. So they're usually not large enough that you're going to feel them or you're going to feel discomfort. It's very rare for this for the ovaries to become that large that you'll feel any type of discomfort. So really, it's just going to be you know it's an incidental thing. And that's what I mentioned as a radiologist. Somebody will get an ultrasound for something else. Mm-hmm. They'll have menstrual irregularity. Maybe they'll have uh, irregular bleeding, or they'll have other conditions, and they'll get an ultrasound for another reason. And then that's when I'll see the ovaries, and the ovaries will kind of show that typical picture, which could be PCOS. Yeah. And then I call the doctor and I tell them like, hey. You know, tell me more about this patient because the ovaries look like a PCOS. Is there any suspicion for PCOS? And that's how we kind of help diagnose it. Interesting. Yeah. And lastly, the third criteria is basically when you're going to have irregular menstruation. So sometimes you may have you may have your period at, uh, at a regular cycle, then it may stop, and then you may not get get your period again for a couple of months before it comes back. And when it does come back, it may be uh, heavier than usual. So these are the three main criteria. Once you have these three criteria, if you have two out of the three, then you're officially diagnosed as PCOS. And PCOS, unfortunately, is a lot like diabetes. Once you're diagnosed with it, once you're a PCOS, you're gonna, you're going to always remain a PCOS. Oh, no. wow. You can do things to mitigate the symptoms, which, yeah. which we'll get into, but it's always it's a diagnosis that kind of sticks with you. 
Yeah. So I'm hearing two things in order to like kind of figure out if you have PCOS or not. You said medically, I mean, one is get an ultrasound and they can check for cysts and two is getting that blood test to check for So do you think the combination of both of those would be a good idea as a starting point for anybody who thinks that they have it? Yeah. I mean, definitely what I would say is, although I'm I'm a radiologist, so I would be biased towards you getting an ultrasound. What's interesting is that although the name PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome, you can have normal looking ovaries mm-hmm. on an ultrasound and still have PCOS. Interesting. Because again, you need two out of the three criteria. Right. So if you have a normal ultrasound, you can still have PCOS. Right. So what I would recommend is that if you feel like you're having any type of irregularity in your menstrual cycle to see your, your GYN, get a physical exam. Cause sometimes, like I said, you can feel the ovaries from the mm-hmm. outside. So sometimes a medical professional can examine you and determine that your ovaries may feel abnormal and then they could prompt you for an ultrasound. But really, if you have irregular menstrual cycle and you're ex- exhibiting any of the other symptoms, increased acne, hair growth, and everything else that we talked about, getting blood work done, those two are sufficient. Even mm-hmm. though an ultrasound is very benign, no radiation, you can get it done any, at any moment. But like I said, ultrasound can still be normal and you can still have peace. Okay. Interesting. That is very good knowledge to have. Mm-hmm. And we recommend anyone who's listening to get your blood work done if you feel like you can relate to any of these symptoms mm-hmm. that we're trying to find this sooner than later. And also, I guess, destigmatize our understanding of PCOS because the sooner we pick up on it, the more we can talk about it within our communities. So I guess what we were talking about before was that, you know, once they see girls, like get married, like where I guess we live in a very developed country, we have this knowledge, we've gone to college. It's that rhymed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The girls that don't have these privileges who live in these very like patriarchal homes where they're expected to have children as soon as they get married and probably experiences or suffer from it. How do you think that they can possibly mitigate these effects or take care of their health better? Because I guess the biggest understand or the biggest symptom or effect of PCOS is that it affects fertility. Like anyone who hears that PCOS, that's immediately what they think of and being ADC girl, it's scary only because of the pressures that we feel right when we get married to have children Mm -hmm. and start families and all that is wonderful. But if you physically can't, how are you able to explain to your family members something so complex? Right, right. Now, that's a great question. And uh, that's definitely something big that affects a lot of different societies. So um, it's a pretty big question, but I'll tackle it into small bits. (laughs) Yes, please. So basically... (laughs) Um, you mentioned fertility, right? So far, I've only talked about the the more visible effects of mm-hmm. PCOS because that's oftentimes the easiest way to help diagnose it. But now, what happens if you just ignore PCOS? Like, let's say you know a situation like what you described. People may not even do it intentionally; they just don't know about PCOS. A lot of cultures don't know. Mm-hmm. Our, our culture, in particular, doesn't really know about it. So, because of that, let's say you just ignore it. One of the big ones is fertility. So now, if you have abnormal, like those little cysts that I talked about, those are follicles. Those follicles are supposed to ovulate and those can potentially become, uh, can become fertilized. Mm -hmm. So now when you have abnormal follicles just sitting there and because you're, because the hormone imbalance, you're not able to ovulate. Obviously one of the big issues is going to be, you're not going to infertility. And even if you, even if you become pregnant, then actually keeping a pregnancy to term is going to be very difficult because now you have your hormones need to be very tightly regulated for the whole process of nine months of, of actually keeping uh, a, a, an embryo uh, healthy for nine months is very difficult to do when you're 
uh, hormones are not regulated tightly. So fertility is one big thing. Secondly, well, this is another thing a lot of people may not know, is that PCOS actually causes a lot of weight gain. And besides just the weight gain, what it does is that it actually causes your body to become insulin resistant. Now, I mentioned diabetes before as an example that if you have diabetes, you're kind of always like a diabetic and you have to be careful. PCOS is very similar. Mm. So PCOS actually leads to insulin resistance, which actually makes you a become like a diabetic so when that happens is not only you become diabetic but insulin also causes increase of these androgens these abnormal hormones that increases them in your blood oh wow and then it also causes you to gain weight so now besides having acne and uh, abnormal hair growth now you're gaining weight as well and then now you're becoming a diabetic now that opens you up to heart disease. So mm-hmm. people who have PCOS, not only increased chance of diabetes, increased chance of heart disease and heart attacks in the future. So PCOS is very complex and it goes real deep. It's more than just what we think superficially. It goes a lot deeper. And I think honestly, the best way to mitigate it in our cultures and societies, this is in general advice for any type of medicine. As I've become more subspecialized and I deal with literally you know, end of life type of care, Prevention is better than anything else. Even though I studied for so long, prevention is better. So what I recommend to all your listeners is that really put put in your due diligence and actually see your doctor, even if it's just for an annual physical. Mm. Just get your blood work done. And then if our families and if our society sees that it's normal for us to get checked out by the physician every year, even if you look healthy and something does come up, you can pick up on it pretty early. And I feel like that will sort of normalize the stigma that may be attached to it because Oftentimes you just you're just going about your life. You get married and then you're not able to have a baby, and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden everyone thinks, "Oh, what happened?" Like, and now it's the and, problem. And now it's the problem yeah. when it could have been a problem for a while, mm-hmm. and you could have there could have been certain things that you could have could could be done to help minimize it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think the best advice I can give for this in general is just uh, prevention is ideal. Yeah. Prevention is ideal. So going to the clinician regularly, going to your doctor regularly, getting blood work done, it'll become so normal if you're if those around you see that often so if something gets picked up and it might be before you got married or it might still be after you got married it may you know soften the blow it's not the best way to phrase it but yeah. it is what it is right? yeah that's a good point and you mentioned a little bit about it might minimize it so my question is um there's different symptoms that you mentioned not everybody who has pcos has like the same symptoms so what are there things that you can do to um, kind of like minimize the effects of PCOS? And are there different things for different people and what they should yeah. be doing? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So like something you can do completely without the need of any medication or external help is just living a healthy lifestyle, mm-hmm. which means, you know, having a balanced diet, um, staying away from processed foods, because a lot of the processed foods, our bodies, you know, we keep inventing new ways to keep things sustained and all mm-hmm. these new ways to process the foods keep getting invented. And then these things sometimes have really adverse events on our hormones. Wow. So not only for women, but for men too, they, we end up eating these foods and sometimes these uh, like let's say in meat in particular, sometimes they're injected with things that can actually mess up hormone levels in the in the animal itself. Then also when you're actually consuming them, then also other ways to store different types of things. These highly processed, uh, even you know vegan or vegetarian foods sometimes have really off off label. <laughs> we're laughing because <laughs> because um, we're always having this conversation about being vegan and vegetarian. He's like, listen, just because you're vegan doesn't mean that you're healthy, which is true because is what true. you're saying is yeah. that like even the, you know, unless you're eating like organic and like all those yeah. things that aren't processed, <laughs> like the things that are coming in a box and being vegan is still what you're saying. Exactly. Like contributing yeah, to it's our own. Known to do that. 
it's mm-hmm. it's ridiculous because I think I read somewhere that they're coming out with this like prototype of vegan chicken, like they're growing a chicken in a lab. And I just got to thinking, how is that even remotely possible? Because nothing about that is organic. Like if mm-hmm. you're going to be a meat eater, at least have it be organic. So it's not full of like antibiotics, um, everything that's injected into it. So it's like as natural as it can be. I know a lot of people who do eat meat or want to live that lifestyle. They choose to live it in a very like clean way where they only eat like organic meat, mm-hmm. organic fish, everything like that. But if you're going to consume like these impossible burgers like they 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 may taste good in the in the moment but there's so many chemicals in that you're literally eating a chemical burger Mm -hmm. exactly exactly and then we don't know how our bodies are going to react to it because Mm -hmm. this is this is new stuff yeah so we don't know in the long term what that's going to do to your hormone levels pcos levels may actually go may actually increase Mm -hmm. and then for men there's a whole slew of issues that are separate that we're not going to talk about today but you know that also (laughs) next podcast We're we're gonna get um, Dr. Ramiz Rahman to be a continuous member on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we can, we can dis- discuss this off air. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you guys listened, enjoyed listening to him, we definitely will. But so yeah, depending on our listeners and our rating. Right, sounds good. Sounds good. But yeah, that's that's all so true, and that's very valid. How you were talking about, you know being preventative more than anything else. So I guess to keep in line with the whole infertility issue, um, if you have PCOS and suppose you wanted to have a child, how would you do that through IVF? So um, the other way besides just a healthy diet and things you can do it that way, the main treatment really is symptomatic control, which means that there's no real way to reverse PCOS, unfortunately. What it is is just kind of keeping your symptoms in check. So now that you have irregular irregular hormones in your bloodstream, one of the main treatments is different types of birth control pills because mm-hmm. those alter these hormones that um, that are that are there. So it kind of, we, the doctors adjust the level of the type of birth control pill that you can take as well as how strong one is compared to the other uh, to, to help balance uh, the imbalance that you already naturally have. So also PCOS treatment changes based on if, you're, if you want to have uh, children or you don't. So if you don't want to have children, there's different types of birth control methods that actually can help regulate the hormone levels and decrease the symptoms. But then the side effect of that is that you will not be able to mm. actually you know, carry a baby to term. Yeah. Now, if someone who wants to have children, still it's going to be birth control, believe it or not. Birth control is going to actually, like I said, sort of stabilize uh, the the hormone levels. And then that can actually increase your chances for actually uh, going about an keeping a baby to term. Now, IVF in the setting of, setting of PCOS, first of all, very compl- complex. And if you're going, if you're thinking about that route, there's special, specially trained physicians that are kind of more the expertise in that mm-hmm. because it becomes a lot more complicated. Mm-hmm. Sometimes with IVF, it can work too well in the setting of PCOS. One of the known complications, if you want to call it that, which is what oftentimes people call it, is that when you're going undergoing IVF, you have increased chances of having twins wow i've heard that and i always wondered why that was the case so i'm glad you brought that up yeah yeah so in that situation which you're when you're artificially trying to fertilize the egg it's very hard to get a single sperm to fertilize a single egg and sometimes when during the process you can fertilize multiple all at the same time and because everything is happening sort of unnaturally you have increased chances of having uh, multiple births or multiple uh, fertilizations happening now in the setting of pcos because your hormones are already misregulated and then you're trying to do it they, they have increased chances of having more uh 
more twins or triplets or et cetera. And then also sometimes you can still have issues with keeping the baby to term, wow. even even with IVF. Okay. So it's 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 very tricky. And because of that, you just need a lot more detailed care. But I don't want to paint it all doom and gloom. Yeah. PCOS is so common in the population. So I don't want to paint like doom and gloom. There mm-hmm. is there is hope. Uh, like I said, it's so common. PCOS, unfortunately, is so common that there's plenty of women that are still able to have full-term pregnancies, sometimes even without uh, help, without mm-hmm. birth control pills, without other type of medications and without IVF. So it's still 100% possible. It just makes it more of a challenge. Mm. So it's better to, if you, if you know that you have a challenge that's coming up, then you can dif- do different things. And if you're mentally prepared for it, yeah. it's a lot easier to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take like preventative measures, start living a healthier lifestyle, visiting your doctor more routinely. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a complete lifestyle change. And it's, I think, I think when you are diagnosed with such difficult conditions, as soon as you mentally accept it, you can start to tackle it better mm-hmm. rather than like being in denial mm-hmm. or, or only, not even knowing that you have it. Yeah. Or only being worried about how would your family react to mm-hmm. this? The more, the more calm you remain, which I know might be hard to hear in such a difficult situation, but the better off you will be able to tackle this mm-hmm. in a healthy way with your family. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's very good that you're bringing that up because there's a lot of literature out there that kind of links PCOS with things like depression and anxiety. Wow. Now, I'm not too qualified to talk on it too much, but uh, since I'm not like a psychiatrist and stuff, but there's literature out there that says how much PCOS affects other aspects of our of our of our mind and of our life. So wow. anxiety rates, depression rates actually increased in PCOS. Unclear wow. why, but you know some of the things you touched on already. So yeah. it's good that you bring it up. Yeah, that's that's actually crazy to know that like there are other things going on with our body as well, like when you have PCOS, and that could be a reason why you're um, why you're like developing maybe these like depression and stuff. So, do you think with these lifestyle changes that help your PCOS, that would in turn then help um, you know like those effects as well? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, oftentimes just being doing things that are for good for mindfulness, which is like working out, eating healthy. All these things make you feel better. So these have positive effects on anxiety, depression already. Mm. And now, given the fact that they also have positive effects on PCOS, there's definitely, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. I, I don't want to paint this picture. Of, yeah. Like, if you're diagnosed with PCOS, it's over for you. Yeah. It's definitely <laughs> yeah. not. Definitely not. Yeah. But, yeah. It's, but it's just the more knowledge you have about it, I think it's just it's, it's just better to know. Yeah. Yeah, of course. We're, we're trying to tackle this through a optimistic and realistic perspective Correct. yeah <laughs> that's, that's what it's all about <laughs> i actually had a specific question and if anybody who's listening has a specific question let us know um in the comments but i had a specific question when i was diagnosed with hormonal acne my doctor prescribed me spironolactone and that was supposed to like balance my hormones and everything like that um is that something that like helps with your pcos as well for people who might have been put on that um because of acne, but like they don't know that they have PCOS. Exactly. Yeah. So spironolactone is a really popular one. And again, because PCOS is really hard to treat directly, mm-hmm. you're treating the symptoms. So because you have increase of those androgens, you end up getting some type of acne, hormonal acne, sometimes they call it. Wow. And then spironolactone helps mitigate the effects of wow. that. So it's all kind of all related. It's all, all these symptoms are related. Yeah. But yeah, with that, your mood becomes off and now it kind of makes sense. I, I, wish, <laughs> I wish I had known this earlier. Now, now it's starting to all come together. Because oh it can God. definitely affect your mood, yeah. uh, believe it or not. Yeah. Then, yeah, that's that's another question I had. Like, okay, it was diagnosed for my acne, but all these things that, because you said um, 
since PCOS is a hormonal thing, all these things that are diagnosed for hormones now, is it affecting like hair growth? Is it affecting like yep. your mood? Is it affect, like all these other things that are also linked to PCOS? Exactly. And it's because our bodies are so complex. So mm-hmm. like I said, the hormone system is basically, you think of it just like a giant highway, which is where all your organs are interacting with each other at all times. Wow. And a lot of the stuff, even despite modern medicine, there's so many things we don't know. Wow. So once you, once you create medications to affect one thing, unfortunately, that's why when you watch those commercials, there's all these side effects to yeah. everything. It's because once you mitigate one thing, it throws something else off yeah. balance. Wow. So it's, it's very tricky. It's very tricky to kind of keep it all balanced, yeah. but it's possible, 100% possible. Interesting. That's so funny that you brought that up because I also was on spironolactone and I I know it's because <laughs> I also had hormonal acne and my dermatologist, she didn't do any blood work, which was funny because mm-hmm. your gynecologist or derm did blood work on you. No. Oh, she didn't? Amna said. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we were all on spironolactone. <laughs> Sorry, Amna. <laughs> so when I was on it, I researched it and I found out the whole androgen thing. And I honestly was, I used to think that I, am I turning into a guy? Like, <laughs> no, why okay. do I have so many male hormones? Yeah. So I slowly weaned off of it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, by like in- decreasing my dosage mm-hmm. and I eventually got off of it completely. And I think that I've, my acne is good now, mm-hmm. but there was a time when I didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. and. I didn't get blood work done. That was my mistake. I should have done that. But if you're also, if you're listening and you're also struggling with acne and things like, you know, your doctor is not really understanding what you're experiencing, Mm -hmm. definitely like Rami said, get your blood work done and Mm -hmm. find that out. Because I know like it's so hard to be in that state where you're fighting acne, body hair, uh, weight gain, and you don't know what's going on with your body. You're like, you feel lost and helpless. And we've all been there at one point with certain things. So trying to even understand what's going on. And then on top of that, you're also trying to figure out like what you want to do in life. Like who should you get married to? Like a lot of societal factors as Mm -hmm. well. It's just so hard to handle by yourself. So like first comes to first, just like try to stay calm and get your blood work done. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's a huge point too, because I think both of us have talked about how like we've gone to our dermatologist or we've gone to like whatever doctor and and without even doing blood work or anything like that, they've said like, here's birth control. And like, I don't know if you told me that you've been on birth control, but like that messed up my mood, like for all, for all, like it would like (laughs) threw me off completely. So like had to like do my own research and be like, I don't want to do this. And I went back and like back and forth saying, I don't want to be on birth control and things like that. So like what I can say about that is like, although as a doctor myself and doctors in general, we, we don't really enjoy too much. I mean, it's good that patients have access to all this information. A lot of times there's a lot of- (laughs) Too much access. (laughs) I will Google everything and anything. I will read reviews what other people have said. (laughs) I no, it's so funny because I dated someone who was um, in med school and I used to receive all of my knowledge from Instagram and he would get so mad. Like this isn't real knowledge. Like you need to stop believing these things. And yes, he was very valid, but once it's in my brain, I have to talk about it. No. And before, before we let you finish release, like whenever I get my results from a doctor, you better believe those papers are going through a million different Google searches. Like every single part of my, like, everything and it could be like b5103 what i don't even know i made something up but i will google that and i will do my own analysis yeah. on what that condition is how it came to be like, like all i, I love doctors we we love them everything that they do <laughs> no we really do but 
I think I'm just the type of person that will only trust my own brain. <laughs> I got you. I know. You're, you're not the only one like, like that. Like, I'm such a skeptic. You're not the only one like that. Like, I'm that person who will probably go to a doctor and be like, no, I need you to tell me exactly what this means in, like, normal people language. Yeah, because yeah, I want to be involved. I'm going to go tell all my friends in my podcast about it. But be, I'm sorry. Before you finish, Ruiz, one more thing. I remember I went to the dermatologist one day, and um, – Apparently, it's really hard to get on Accutane. You have to get go through like a billion different yeah, like yeah, yeah. routes first. And I was head fast on getting Accutane. So I went up to my doctor and, and listed every symptom that you need to have in order to get Accutane. And he's like, you did your homework. <laughs> like, Please just give it to me. Exactly. I mean, that's one thing I was going to tell you guys. As smart as you guys think you are, as soon as you start Googling and whatnot, we, we know that you're Googling. <laughs> so, we, so, so we learn how to, how to deal with that. Yeah. But regardless... Just know that most doctors, we know when you're Googling and we, we know that you did your research. So it becomes really tricky for us because we have to try to figure out ways to kind of explain things where now, you know, everybody has a, has a access to all this information. Mm-hmm. A lot of this information doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And that's why we went to school for so long, trying to make <laughs> oh, sense gosh. of this type of information. Yeah. So, uh, but still, regardless of that, I want to stress to you guys, as well as the listeners, that still the patient comes first. So if you feel that your doctor is not really understanding you, but you want basic blood work, you're able to get basic blood work because the patient comes first. Yeah. So you can request whatever you need to be and don't feel embarrassed or anxious in requesting certain things mm. from your physician. At the end of the day, the, the health is yours. Yeah. Doctors are just there to kind of help guide you through it yeah. and assist you with it. But at the end of the day, the health is yours. Yeah. So that's a very important point I wanted to stress on you guys. That you don't Super. feel bad about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we never felt bad. But. <laughs> no, but um, if you're if you're listening and you feel shy, like Ramiz just said, please like try to maybe bring a friend along or just maybe find like a female to be like a female physician, maybe an Indian one or a Desi one that you feel comfortable with. Like try to make the experience as you as easy as possible and like right now we're trying to make it easy for you by having a daisy doctor on this podcast talk to you guys because (laughs) your picture will be on the the post (laughs) we'll find actually we're also gonna link his youtube channel which is very very informative so if you liked this talk with dr ramis rahman definitely go subscribe go watch the videos because they're actually like how he explains things to us like in normal human terms (laughs) (laughs) so thank you so much Ramiz if you have any uh following thoughts or comments please finishing topics of discussion Mm -hmm. let us know and yeah and yeah and Ramiz has to report to his first job (laughs) of being a dad his kids (laughs) his kids are calling his name but thank you so so much for being on thank you guys for having me yes it was a good time I hope you guys learned and I hope your listeners learn and uh, anything I could do, let me know. Oh, thank you. We thank learned you. a lot. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. All right. Take care.